This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The Five Star Zone with Rico Beard. All right, welcome to another edition of the Five Star Zone. Got a special guest today, ESPN's own Myron Metcalf. You see him on the sidelines of college basketball games. And I got Myron on because we're going to do what? We're going to talk some college basketball. Myron, we're getting down to the nitty gritty. And the thing is, you look at the Big Ten, and I've said it all year, Myron. And maybe you can give us a different perspective from an outside. I see big one. I see little 13. Talk to me. Uh, you, you mean Purdue and everybody else? Is that what you're saying? Purdue and the Purdueettes. Yeah. It's like Purdue's going to be a one yeah. seed. Now, they're struggling a little bit, but I think they just, I think it's freshman's hitting the wall. But when I look at the other Big Ten teams, man, I, I can't tell you who's the second best team in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think that second tier, though, deserves a little more respect than maybe it did a month ago. Because I I think what you had is like a lot of teams, whether it was injuries, whether it was young players trying to figure it out, um, it did feel like it was Purdue and everybody else. I still think Purdue's the best team in America. But, I mean, Indiana, the way they played, I know they just lost, but, I mean, they've looked really good. You look at what Northwestern's doing. Maryland's had struggles on the road, but but they're a really good team. So I, I think that top half of the league has just been really, really competitive, and it's hard to sort that out. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how it all finishes. I think the Boilermakers can win it all, but I think now you at least got a couple teams where you look at them and go, you know what? A couple teams that can make, make it to the second weekend and, and see what happens from there. Is it just we're all – Afraid, maybe a little PTSD that, that nobody really wants to give Northwestern credit. You see what all these and Boo Boo is doing, but we all kind of go, but it's Northwestern and Northwestern teams will let you down just when you start believing in them. I mean, that, that may be for some people, but I mean, Chris Collins is going to cash that extension uh, <laughs> when they give it to him. That's so, true. you know, people can kind of believe what they want. You, you lose two games. It's mid-January in this league. Nobody can ignore that. I mean, if somebody wants to ignore that, then they're doing it for the wrong reasons. I mean, this is a team that before this run beat Illinois, beat Indiana, you know, and then just kind of started figuring it out. Um, Lost Pete Nance to the transfer portal to to North Carolina, and here they are, boo-booey, and what they've just been able to put together. I mean, you you play the way they've played over the last – Month and a half coming into March, that feels legit to me. I mean, they haven't maybe achieved the big road win during that stretch, but you know, you go to Indiana and win. You you go to you know Nebraska's caught some people. They went there and won. Um, you catch Wisconsin, which is always sort of hit and miss. I think Northwestern's 
real to anybody who's actually got a chance to watch them play. And I was going to say, Myron, you watch a lot of college basketball. That's why you got it on ESPN's own Myron Metcalf. Join us here on the Five Star Zone. What is it that makes Northwestern different than any other Northwestern team? Why? I mean, because they have. They, they, they knocked off MSU early in the year, and everybody just shrugged it off to, well, they always beat Michigan State, it seems that way. But then they just yeah. start taking their shots and, okay, well, now they've just beat this team, and now they just beat Indiana, and now they, they're just taking no prisoners. I mean, is the message just finally setting in, or, you know, what's so special about this Northwestern team? Because they've always been tryhards, but this year, you don't want to play them, unless you're Michigan, yeah. who's actually swept Northwestern this year, but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> I think they might be the most balanced team in the league after Purdue. You know, I mean, top 25, adjusted defensive efficiency. Um, they, they're forcing the most turnovers in the Big Ten. They, they get after you, um, and they maintain some, some poise offensively. I thought what they did to Iowa, beating Iowa by 20, you know. I know Iowa isn't the Iowa of maybe past years, but that, that's you beat any team in this league by 20. You got to acknowledge that. You know, you put up 80, you hold them to 60. That, that has to count for something. And I think what's coming now for them, too, is the, is the confidence. Like, we tend to judge teams on January, even though every year we know that that's not right. But we do it. You know, a team gets off to a tough start, and we already decide what they're going to do. Right. You got three months left in the season. And people are on January 8th. I say, well, I told you they're not going to do it. <laughs> well, I told you they're not good enough. You got three week, three months left. Like, how could you make a decision like that in a in a sport where – We've watched teams that were irrelevant make a run in March. North, North Carolina did last year. Right. You know, obviously the Kimball Walker moment. We've watched teams that we were just sure were going to bulldoze everybody in the field, mm -hmm. and they went home on day one. So I think Northwestern's a good example of a team that's building momentum at the right time. They're balanced. And now you know how this is, Rico. Once you start getting some of those wins over top teams – and you start feeling yourself a little bit, you're not afraid of anybody. And I think now they've gone from the underdog that was supposed to be intimidated by everybody to now everybody's afraid of them. Don't nobody want to play Northwestern in the Big Ten tournament? Don't nobody want to play Northwestern in the NCAA tournament? No, they And don't. nobody would ever have thought we would say that two months ago. And that's what's so funny, but you're right. I, I look at it now, I'm like, I think Northwestern is the second best team in the Big Ten. And honestly, if they play Purdue, I, I think it would be a, it would be a good game on March twelfth in Chicago yeah. to see who's going to win the whole thing. Myron, talking here, uh, you you were at the MSU Indiana game, and I thought before the game it was going to be Indiana has the better team, they had the better player, but it was just so going to be so many many emotions going through that place at the Presence Center that I was just like, I don't think Indiana's going to win this game, and then. About, let me see, about uh, two minutes into the game, I felt like I was all wrong. Indiana jumped yeah. out to about a 9 nothing lead. It looked like it was going to be a boat race. But then all of a sudden, Tyson Walker hits a three. He hits another three. He hits another three. And before you know it, Michigan State is back in there. Just as an outsider, man, what was it like for you sitting there courtside at a game with such magnitude, magnitude of, of, of emotion? of everything with the students, the ones who were killed, the other ones who are still injured, all the ceremony, the the empty seats in the Izzo. 
tell me, what was it like for you sitting courtside? Yeah, so we talked a lot going into that game about the right tone. We wanted to establish the right tone. We wanted to make sure that we were respectful of everybody involved. We wanted to make sure that we were making sure that the viewers at home understood that we knew that this was bigger than basketball. Um, and that was hard to do, you, you know, because th there was an element there of like, you know, are we doing this the right way? You know, we had a lot of pre-production meetings on what to say, how to say it. And, you know, give Michigan State a lot of credit. They went through extreme lengths to think about legitimately every single aspect of that game. The songs that were played in that game, how they remembered the eight uh, and the three who died and the five who are still hospitalized. Um, the words they used, Rico, they, they didn't call them shoot-around shirts. They called them warm-up shirts. Oh, you're right. Um, if, if you remember at the start of the game when it usually goes dark, right, uh, mm -hmm. and everybody gets excited, they didn't do that, that game. They put that white banner of Spartan Strong right. around the arena. That was to show, obviously, that we're united, but it was also to have some lighting with fear of people being re-traumatized. Mm. I mean, give Michigan State credit. I, I didn't even think about for, that, but you, yeah, you're right. I was, I didn't, the, yeah. They brought in a trauma specialist to look at every single aspect of that game. And I got to commend Michigan State for how detailed they were, you know, and just setting the right tone. So for me, my attitude was like, let me stay out of the way, you know? Like, this ain't about me. This is about, you know, Izzo and this team and these fans and this community and, and these victims and their families and everybody who's hurting. Um, but it, it, it was a lot, man. And I feel like in those moments, what we could do at ESPN, you know, Tom Izzo said the way for him to hug that community uh, was to play hard and to, and to get a win. And for me, okay, how can I enhance the game to try to facilitate that? that and that's what I tried to do. Um, but as I was leaving is when I felt so much of the emotions attached to it. Where it happened is a, a block away from the hotel I stay at when I'm in East Lansing. Right. And I had been there a week before the, the shooting, and I was there a week after. Um, but I, I just got to commit everybody in that community, man, because I felt like everyone set the right tone, said the right things, did everything the right way. Um, and, and I was um, honored to be a part of something. And like I said, for me, I just, I just tried to stay out of the way. Myron Metcalf, ESPN, you see him on college basketball sidelines because, well, he's the man. He knows his college hoops. And Myron, when, when, when you actually see the game, we kind of talked about Northwestern. Let's, the two teams that were playing, Indiana, I do think is a team that I think they could get to the Sweet 16. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis is a man amongst boys. <laughs> I mean... Mm -hmm. I think the Big Ten is fortunate he decided to come back because when when you watch him, you could just see how much better he is than everybody else. I think they can. This MSU team, I have no idea because I say that not because I graduated from there because I've this is the type of team when Izzo has a team that you count out. The next thing you know, they're at the Final Four. Yeah, the teams that he had that were supposed to win it all. Always seemed to somehow didn't make it. They didn't. They Middle Tennessee, Syracuse, 
those teams pop yeah. up and knock them off. But it's it's these types of teams where, you know, they because I think that you know they may be like a seven eight seed, but yeah. they got a senior late senior late in backcourt, which is always dangerous in the NCAA tournament. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say quickly about that middle Tennessee loss. Like we, we all know them boys was thirty three years old. You know, I mean, that was <laughs> he right. You know, I saw you know people walking in there. They they had pensions and they've been on the job right. ten years. Came back. You know, it was no, that was an old team, man. That was an old middle Tennessee team that that got them. But yeah, I mean, Tom is always honest whenever we talk to him before these games about this not being that team. I can't think of the last time, and maybe you know. The last time you had a stretch where you thought about Michigan State and you thought to yourself, they don't have one of the three, four, five best players in the league on their roster. I mean, this is this is rare, right? There, there's always a dude where you go, okay, he he's a top-tier player right. in this league. In Michigan State, no matter who they're playing, that guy can go and get it. Um, and this just hasn't been that team. They've had to really work hard. Uh, to be together, and you see that. Against Indiana, that was the most together Michigan State team I've seen, and I think this was my sixth or seventh game following them. Uh, but you've also watched them fall apart right. in, in moments where they don't play that. They don't have the option to just move out of the way and say, here's Denzel Valentine, yeah. I'm going to give him the ball. Here's Kalen Lucas, I'm going to give him the right. They don't have that. Right, no cash. Yeah. Nah, so you have to work together, and when they do that, in a world where I don't think college basketball has a great team, and it, I always say with Izzo, and, and there's only a handful of coaches at that level, but the great coaches, if they win that first game, the thing you got to think about is who can get ready in 48 hours? Who can get their team ready in 48 hours or less? And that's where the X's and O's and the really great coaches stand out. That's what Izzo does. You might have a better roster, but if he gets to that second round, and you're some 38-year-old coach who hasn't been there before, and he's got 48 hours to figure you out, he has the edge. Yeah. But I think these guys got to play together to put themselves in the best position 
to to get there and and to compete. Um, because when they don't do that, when AJ's just doing whatever he wants to do, when when Joey Howes is kind of taking a nap, when, when Tyson's kind of hot and cold, then it falls apart. I think also Malik isn't Malik. Like Malik, I saw healthy Malik. Yeah. And this guy is a guy to me who is playing through an injury, fearful of re-injuring. Um, and he's there's a hesitation with Malik that you didn't see in December, or, or you know when he came back. Like it's no, that's no, a big factor. In this too. It's funny that you say that because I've said to me it, it looks like when I see Malik on the court, he's trying to make up for all the lost time. So he's trying to score all those points that he didn't score. He's trying to do all the moves and shoot all the shots and get them all in there. Where it almost sometimes he stops being that team player. And he becomes, okay, I'm just going to back down my defender and try and shoot a shot where you're right. Back in the day, man, he was a passer. He could find that open guy, but you're right. Ever since he's been back, something's missing. He's just not that same Malik. No, he's not. He's not healthy. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's just not, you know, and, and, and that, that may be more mental than it is physical, but yeah, you see him forcing things. You, you see him. Just not, but Malik to me, what he was always so good at was just being where he needed to be at the right time. Right. You know, positioning was always such an important part of his game. At the Kentucky game, at the Champions Classic. Oh, yeah. And like Malik in that game down the stretch, it wasn't just the playmaking, it was he just found a way to be in the right spots when they needed him to be. Um, and this Malik feels a little more like I'm still trying to figure out kind of where I'm at in a team that kind of had to rally without me a little bit. And now I'm kind of jumping back in, into this game of double dutch and trying not to trip and mess up the rope. You know what I mean? Um, but I still think there's room and time for Malik to kind of get back into that rhythm, get his head straight and, and then be ready for, for the postseason because that's an element of this that nobody's really talking about, but I've seen it develop. And 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 that's a that's a factor in the ceiling of this Michigan State team. All right, Myron, let's let's go down the road a little bit. Juwan Howard, Michigan Wolverines. They got the mm -hmm. win over Michigan State, but as of now, according to Lenardi and according to a lot of bracketologists, they're on the outside looking in. Is it simply Michigan has to run the table if they want to get in? They got Illinois. They they got on the road to Illinois, on the road to Indiana and Wisconsin. They got Rutgers uh, Thursday night tonight. You got to sweep all those games, win a couple games in the tournament. Is it just you've already hit tournament mode, I guess. Is, is that what Michigan is at right now? Yeah, I think the message from Jawan Howard has to be you got to win everything, you know. You got to go into this stretch feeling like you either have to win every game or at least go three and one. You got to get one of those road games at the end. The good news for Michigan is this is like one of the softest bubbles I've seen. Like, there's a there's a pile of schools, man, yeah. 10, 15, maybe 20 deep where you're like, I mean, one or two games are going to separate everybody. And, and guess what? I and mean, we can we know this. You're going to get some TV exemptions potentially <laughs> on Selection Sunday. You're right. You're, you're gonna get some. You're gonna get some teams that. Uh, if you're a you blue know, blood, you're Carolina, yeah, might be a little, you're Kentucky. We a got rating you. boost. Yeah. might might help you out. So, but I talked to Jawan Howard. You know, I've done a bunch of their games, and I said, "Do you ever think about where you are in terms of bracketology?" And 
He said he never thinks about that stuff. It's it's um it's a weird fall because the talent is there. They have one of the best bigs in the league. They they have a first round pick in in Jace Howard. They you know they they have a lot of components. Now losing your starting point guard early that hurts, but I'm surprised that it's they've gotten to this point where you're like, man, they kind of got to win out to to kind of get back in the mix and to feel any sense of comfort going into the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, they 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 can't afford to lose anything. Myron, before I let you go, um, don't know how much you've been all up on this Alabama uh, basketball with the, with the young lady getting killed, Darius. Uh, I mean, it, it's. <clears throat> It's just kind of a wild story. And mm-hmm. the latest is, you know, with Brandon Miller, the, the, the star guy on the team, did Nate Oates make the right decision? Did Alabama and the AD and the athletic department make the right decision in, in letting him play? I mean, there's allegations, you know, he brought the weapon to uh, his teammate. Now his uh, Brandon's lawyer is saying, no, he didn't know the gun was even in the back seat. I don't think he's going to get charged with anything, but my rationale is this, and then I'd love to hear what you have to say. If I'm Nate Oates, I got to set you down a little bit because you should have known better. You're bringing negative attention on this team and this program, and nobody should be bigger than the program. And you handle this now, the story kind of goes away. We found out, we took care of it, and we're going to move on. But it seems like the longer this drags out, the more and more, I mean, they struggled against South Carolina, a team that they should have handled last night. I just kind of think that this is going to be the downfall of Alabama. And I, I just think that Nate Oates is kind of making a mistake in handling this situation. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's been a crazy year, man, between this and New Mexico yeah. State, you know, which I covered, and Chris Beard. Um, I've been involved in all those stories. And um, did he make the right decision? T- time will tell. There are forces much bigger than I am um, who, who have to ultimately make that decision and who have apparently made that decision about whether or not Brandon Miller is culpable. My, my biggest thing is J- Jamea Harris is gone. Right. And um, sometimes we get caught up in these stories uh, and, and we make it about the athletes and, you know, whether or not Brandon Miller's career could be affected. Will this affect his draft stock? Will, will Nate Oates lose, lose future opportunities as a head coaching candidate be, because of that? Th- those are all real things um, that could come into play for, for everybody involved. I mean, obviously, Nate Oates speaking the way he did initially did not seem like a wise decision. Um, you know, I've talked to some PR folks <laughs> who've been like, that, that's where you, that's why you have your, your yeah. SIDs and you have the folks who kind of guide you. But my biggest thing, Rico, is Jamea Harris is gone. You know, whether Brandon plays a basketball game or doesn't, whether Darius Miles ever plays a basketball game again or doesn't, whether Nate Oates is affected by this or not in terms of his career path, Jamea Harris is gone. Correct. And, and I think that we need to start there. And, and and not start with uh, Brandon Miller's draft stock or or whether he plays or not. I mean, he's not charged, so I can understand that from a legal perspective. The school is saying he wasn't charged, you know. So so sort of, what's the violation? I don't know what did or did not happen that night. I don't know enough about the gun situation, 
What I do know is that a young woman lost her life that night. And in all of these conversations, I think we need to start there. Because uh, I could imagine being her family and our conversations are what happens to Brandon Miller? Yeah. You know, what happens to Alabama basketball? What happens to Nate Oaks? Nah. That young woman's gone. And I think to me, for me, I'm trying to remember that. I'm trying to start there. And, and, and instead of making this a sports story the way we always do, I'm thinking of that young woman who deserved to live. Myron, I couldn't have said it better myself, man. But then again, that's why I got you on because you're the man. Appreciate your time. Appreciate it. Hey, man, I want to get you back on before Selection Sunday if, if you got time. I know you're a busy man. Check your schedule. But the door is always <laughs> open. I want you back on here because you're you able to drop that knowledge. Cool? Hey, man, have me on. You got my number. You just don't call me enough, man. You always say you're going to call me. Because So who's the busy one? Is it you or me? I don't know, man. Every time I want to call you, okay, you know what? I'm going to call you, and I want you to answer the phone while you're sitting on the sideline corresponding at ESPN Games. I want you to be like, hey, guys, hold on. I got to get this. Reek, what's up? Yeah, a little busy. I'm going to hit you back. I'll do it. You know what? I'm doing it the next time. All right, Sounds Byron. good, man. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it.